BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, Twitter announced this week that it's removing or restricting more than 150,000 accounts associated with QAnon, an internet community that perpetuates far-right conspiracy theories and that the FBI has designated a domestic terrorism threat. We look at the impact of Twitter's moves. Then we'll learn how a phone call to Forum from a 10-year-old girl seeking information for her parents who speak Spanish inspired a flurry of stories from people who've had to translate for their parents and relatives growing up. That's all next on Forum. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. The FBI designated QAnon a domestic terrorism threat last year, but now pro-QAnon Republican candidates are running for Congress. And this week, Twitter announced that it's cracking down on more than 150,000 accounts associated with the sprawling Internet community that perpetuates conspiracy theories about a cabal of Satan-worshipping pedophiles who are seeking to take over the country. President Trump has frequently retweeted accounts associated with QAnon. Joining me now is Adrienne LaFrance. She's executive editor at The Atlantic. Thanks so much for joining us, Adrienne LaFrance. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Travis View, a conspiracy theory researcher and co-host of the podcast QAnon Anonymous. Thanks for being with us, Travis View. Thank you for inviting me. So Adrienne LaFrance, I'll start with you. I mean, I don't think I've ever read such a bizarre sentence on air before about Satan worshipers, but but what is QAnon and, and who is Q? I was going to say, hearing it described in, in public radio voice especially is um, <laughs> surreal. Um, so, so yeah, I, we don't know who Q is, is the easy answer. There is someone who posts um, to an online message board what Q followers see as clues in this larger theory. Um, and the basic idea is this, it's that there's this evil cabal um, that President Trump is working to take them down and that Q is enlisting the help of an online army to aid in doing so. That's the sort of the, the 30,000 foot view. And what is the conspiracy theory that they believe besides the part about Satan worshiping pedophiles, Travis View, that are, are seeking to take over the country? Hi, Travis. Really, you it's a, it's oh. a lot more than, yes, yeah, really, it's a lot more than just sort of like a single conspiracy theory. It's really kind of like a meta conspiracy theory narrative that connects every other sort of conspiracy theory that you may have heard of. So there, there are people in the QAnon community who believe, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously there are Pizzagate believers. There are people who believe in their, that there's secret, uh, you know, alien technology that, uh, that uh, the government has been hiding. Um, there, there are people who are in it for uh, very religious reasons. They believe that QAnon is part of a coming grand apocalypse or biblical rapture. 
So it's really more of a, you know, sort of an overarching umbrella kind of conspiracy theory club than it is sort of like a singular conspiratorial narrative, even though that that particular uh, story about the uh, satanic pedophile, uh, satanic cabal of pedophiles who rule the world is sort of the backbone of the whole thing. The backbone of the whole thing. And so Adrian LaFrance, do you have a sense of the size and reach of QAnon now? It's, it's hard to measure in part because it's geographically disaggregated. It is something that started online and very much takes place online. So um, it, it, you can tell that it's growing because you can see that the people who are pushing this conspiracy theory, that their own audiences are growing. Um, certainly the fact that several um, people have won congressional primaries based in part on this as a platform um, suggests that this movement is swelling. And so, it, but it is really hard to definitively say how many people are in the movement. And then secondarily, it's hard to say how many are what I've sort of termed as true believers. Um, and this is kind of an, an interdebate within the Q community of whether it's all just a, a farce and then who actually believes versus who's sort of trolling or, or LARPing. Or maybe even using the community to promote themselves or, or their books or, or other things that they'd like to see happen in the country. Exactly. And, and so uh, what is the appeal do you think that it, it has filtered into so many parts of, of people's lives and, and across social media and the internet? Well, it's a really interesting question. And it's one that I set out to answer in, in the story I wrote for The Atlantic about Q, because I wanted to better understand why, like what on earth would make someone believe or adhere to such absurdity. And the thing that I found that surprised me at the time, um, and that in talking to Travis actually helped me realize, um, is that it's not you know, there is something outside of the realm of just a conspiracy happening here. A lot of the people I talk to who really deeply believe in this, it's this uh, just sort of blind faith, almost spiritual, and in some cases, explicitly spiritual. And and so I, I've come to realize that people turn to Q in the same way that they might turn to organized religion. And Travis, you, you mentioned Pizzagate. And you know, can you just remind us what that was, but also the fact that it turned out not to be true, and yet it seems like it has not deterred the growth of this conspiracy and its followers. Well, yeah, I mean, this is a, I mean, this is a classic phenomenon we see in cult-like movements and that sort of the, uh, the, the failed dates and the failed prophecy. And I mean, the very first couple of Q drops actually promised that uh, Hillary Clinton's arrest was imminent. And despite the fact that that didn't happen, that didn't deter uh, the, the community to grow until the point that, uh, you know, it's become a serious issue that social media companies have to take action against. And there are QAnon congressional candidates um it's you know is simply in a sort of an ancient sort of uh, very attractive story about uh evil being cleansed of the earth and um us entering into a great new peaceful golden age you know that kind of uh you know uh, uh, i guess poetic myth is something that just resonates with people of every generation but now people can sort of organize around it and sort of form communities around it online yes but if i remember correctly adrian lafrance and you write about this quite a bit you know, basically, there was this man who believed that there was like uh, a, a child sex ring going on at a pretty popular restaurant in D.C., went there armed and, and you know, realized that that actually wasn't happening. Right. 
Right. And so when we talk about Pizzagate, we refer to sort of one of the proto-conspiracy theories that the, the backbone of Q is based on. Um, and this was an incident in which, as you say, a, a man was was watching a lot of YouTube videos, came to believe that there was a, a, a child sex ring, sex abuse happening in a, in a pizzeria in Washington, D.C. called Comet Ping Pong. And he drove there from North Carolina and brought weapons in. Thankfully, no one was hurt. Um, but but it's striking because he when he realized that he got inside the restaurant and it wasn't what he had seen or been led to believe online, he put his weapons down and walked outside and surrendered to police. And to me, it's a really important point that these conspiracy conspiracy theories don't just pose danger to the the public, you know, people eating pizza with their families out at restaurants, but also to the people who believe them because this person actually thought he was taking matters into his own hands in a way that could protect children, and he was deeply wrong. And Travis, you were saying that, uh, you know, Q does these drops um, on the internet and the parts of the internet that are, are more troll and infested, and and they're frequently wrong, like the one that Hillary Clinton would be arrested and, and uh, that it was going to happen at any moment. Um, but why, Adrienne LaFrance, does that not deter people from seeing the conspiracy theory as bunk? It, it's such a good question. And it's one of the more mind bending aspects of all of this for me, certainly as a journalist, because, you know, you you present someone with facts or evidence. And this happened in the course of my reporting where I'd say, you know, but this didn't didn't happen. Hillary wasn't arrested. And this is where you get into sort of the blind faith, the sort of just mass rejection of reason and empiricism that, that the people who who ascribe to this conspiracy theory don't actually care. And in the same way that, you know, when I've asked people, what if we find out who Q is and they admit themselves that it's all a hoax? Even then, people have said to me, it doesn't matter. This is so much bigger than Q. Mm. And so, again, this is where we get into this falling into a pre-existing sort of worldview where there's this preoccupation with the apocalypse and Q has neatly plugged into it, but these people don't actually need Q to coalesce around a larger worldview that has existed before this conspiracy theory. I see. So that raises a couple of questions as well. Um, and Adrienne LaFrance, I know you need to leave us a little sooner, so I'll direct this again to you. But there are there's a thread that has been perpetrated in the QAnon conspiracy that President Trump is Q. That's right. And a couple of people who I spoke with said that they believed this to be the case. I mean, one thing to remember is oftentimes people will describe this as a, a far right conspiracy theory when really more accurately, it's it's a pro-Trump conspiracy theory. And so President Trump is really cast as sort of the savior, the person who's going to um, help instigate what they call the Great Awakening um, to sort of get to this rapturous state. And so I think some people will say Trump is Q. Some people, you know, cast him in other roles. But in any case, it is a conspiracy theory that is built around supporting President Trump. In Travis' view, President Trump, as many reports have emerged, has also tweeted QAnon followers. There was a Media Matters report that said that uh, since the pandemic began, he's retweeted at least 90 posts from some 50 QAnon accounts. I mean, what role does the president play in their influence, do you think? Yeah, I think that the, the, the most recent tally of how often uh, President Trump actually tweets QAnon followers, I think is actually over 185 times it, it, uh, Trump has boosted 
uh, Q9 accounts over 185 times over the past couple of years. Um, and obviously, this is extremely validating to the QAnon community. Um, and uh, sometimes he, uh, you know, quote tweets, you know, uh, people who have where we go one, which is sort of the QAnon slogan or QAnon hashtags. Um, this is also done by uh, by the uh, White House social media director, Dan Scavino. Sometimes he tweets out some things that sort of slightly reference QAnon. One of them is a, a GIF that says TikTok. And this is something that's often said in QAnon. Quite recently, he he tweeted out a uh, video of a storm. This is significant in QAnon community because they think the mass arrest event is called the storm. Or um, there was one instance in which Dan Scavino tweeted out a uh, image of that said, um, uh, that said, uh, my next piece is uh, nothing can stop what is coming and nothing that can, what can stop, nothing can stop what is coming is a common phrase in the QAnon community. So I think it's uh, quite clear that uh, the, that uh, sort of uh, Trump and even the social media team are comfortable sort of like winking and nodding and gesturing to the QAnon community, even if they have never sort of explicitly endorsed them or their views. Hmm. And Adrian LaFrance, you were saying that also among followers, they believe that this conspiracy theory or this movement or, or however you characterize it will outlast the president. So for example, if he does not win in November, that this will continue. Do you think based on everything that you've learned about it for your piece in the Atlantic, that this has staying power? Like this could turn into something much, much bigger even? I do think so. I, I mean, if you look at just the way that we came to Q in the first place, that it sort of um, is this conspiracy theory that has kind of remixed and reinterpreted and kind of gulped up other pre-existing conspiracy theories, but also, crucially, the extent to which it's taken in some of these really clear sort of religious aspects. And so this idea of like, really that, that Q and even Trump is this figure to be worshipped almost, and that the Q drops are like foundational text that um, someone might an analyze or interpret as part of a, a religious outlook. Um, and then just even the this very, you know, the, the narrative itself, this great awakening leading to a spiritual rapture. And, and you know, I think Travis was actually the first person who, to me, compared this to the Millerites um, and other sort of religious movements where there's been obsession with the apocalypse and and the the parallels are both uncanny and impossible to ignore. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine how it could be stopped without really without building a whole different kind of internet. And even then, who knows? And Adrian LaFrance, you know, I've I've personally been conflicted at times. QAnon has come up uh, as for discussion as a possible segment, and I've been conflicted about covering it and acknowledging such a group. But at some point, it feels like you reach a point where they're they're sort of popping up enough that it's important to understand who they are, who the followers are, and what, and what they believe. And I wonder, since you need to leave us, if there's anything you think is important for us to understand about QAnon or, or why you feel like they really can't be dismissed. Right. I mean, so I really wrestled with this in reporting the piece because one of the things I wanted to avoid was just being complicit in spreading a conspiracy right. theory that I believe is dangerous. And so the thing that I drew from from my own reporting career was birtherism. And um, in 2011, when I was working as a city hall reporter in Honolulu, uh, was around the time that not, not yet President Trump was spreading this lie that Barack Obama was not born in the United States as a way to leverage his own political career. And at the time, we all in my newsroom, or at least I certainly, 
dismissed it as completely absurd and, and possibly not worthy of coverage. We sort of watched the national media become gripped by this. And I thought, well, you know, if we ignore it, maybe it'll go away. Um, and I was really wrong about that. I personally ignored it. And now President Trump is President Trump. And so I think at this point, given the extent to which the architecture of the social web enables the spread of misinformation and conspiracy theories, and given sort of the social upheaval that further encourages divisions and conspiracism, that you know, ignoring a mass rejection of empiricism and sort of this this mass break with reality um, is not going to stop it. And and although as a journalist, I wish that truth would just automatically prevail, it actually takes work to make sure that it does. And so that's how I've thought about it. Hadrian LaFrance, she's executive editor at The Atlantic. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. And I'd like to invite you, our listeners, to join the conversation. Have you run into QAnon in your social media accounts or see other people who, who have? What concerns or questions do you have about it? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. And Kyler writes, please ask your guest how much of the support for this conspiracy theory is just for entertainment and trolling, sort of like the flat earthers who appear to be almost laughing as they talk about their theory. Travis, I mean, this is something that we touched on earlier, like how many people are true believers and how many people are, are capitalizing off of this or just enjoying being involved in something so bizarre? You know, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, I, I don't I mean, I can't answer that easily, but um, I will say that I think it would be a mistake to uh, simply dismiss them all as sort of trolling or having or just being uh, destructive in kind of like a fun way that's sort of popular on 4chan, because there have been multiple dangerous incidents related to QAnon. Uh, take Take, for the example, the case of Matthew Wright. Uh, this was a man who pled guilty to a terrorism charge after uh, holding an armed standoff on the Hoover Dam Bridge. Right. Um, and uh, he, he, his demand was basically to release an inspector general report that he only thought existed because of QAnon. So there's already a QAnon-related terrorist incident. There's a case of uh, you know, Anthony Camello, the QAnon follower who was charged with secondary murder. There was a case of uh, uh, Cynthia Absug, who was uh, charged with conspiracy to commit kidnapping after plotting an armed raid with fellow QAnon followers. There was a case of Alpolis Slyman, who uh, led police on a 100-mile-an-hour uh, car chase down the freeway with his five children in the vehicle. And during that car chase, he actually uh, used took to Facebook Live to plead with QAnon and Trump to save him. So while there's some may some people may be uh, you know trolling, I mean there is a significant number of people who take it very very seriously. If they take it you know too seriously, it can lead to some very dangerous or violent circumstances. Which might explain also Twitter's moves. I mean, Curtis writes, there are all kinds of conspiracy theories that have always circulated throughout history. Is social media responsible for the spread of QAnon, or will there always be a finite subset of a population that buys into conspiracies, regardless of how they're spread? I mean, I mentioned that uh, Twitter is cracking down on thousands of accounts. I think they've removed like 7,000, and they're restricting some 150,000, or combined with removal and restriction. And I guess the question I have for you, Travis, is do you think this will play a significant role in curbing the spread of the theory? 
Um, I, I do not, honestly, if I'm, if I'm, because, um, I mean, the thing is, is that this is a movement that started, uh, that sort of started on, on social media and grew because of social media, but now the QAnon network ex extends beyond the sort of the social media, uh, the social media network that they originally connected on. And so as a consequence of that, they will simply move, the, the QAnon community will simply move and grow wherever they're able to, whether that is perhaps uh, Telegram or uh, sort of alternative, uh, Twitter alternatives such as Parler or Gab. Um, and uh, so, I mean, they'll go where they're, where they're able. I mean, for, for example, uh, all the way back in September of 2018, uh, Reddit actually banned all QAnon-related subreddits because of targeted harassment and other issues that Twitter is right right now dealing with. And uh, that was a significant development, but it ultimately didn't slow the growth of QAnon. I mean, if anything, it's uh, it kind of like it plays into their uh, their worldview. They, I mean, they think the the QAnon community thinks that the reason why they are being sort of throttled isn't because they are perhaps a, uh, a domestic extremist movement and they've been engaged in uh, you know, targeted harassment or they're decreasing the quality of the user experience on these social media networks, but because they think that they're on the right track and mm -hmm. they're speaking dangerous truths that the establishment doesn't want you to hear. So if anything, these, these sorts of uh, uh, sort of like uh, uh, bans and sort of uh, not recommending their content in the algorithms will only embolden them. Let me go to caller Jim in San Francisco. Hi, Jim. Good morning. Good morning. What's Hello. on your mind? Good morning, Jim. Thank you, for, thank you for taking my call. This is bringing up so much for me. I am 74 years old, and this is Jim Jones and drinking the Kool-Aid, and he teaching the people that the afterlife is the true life and this life is nothing. This is so, so much like that to me in what I'm hearing you talk about. Um. Jim, thanks. And of course, that, that had such a tragic end, uh, Travis View. Yeah, I mean, that is that is that is the danger. I mean, I mean, you often you often see I mean, the, the danger is like, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. One time Q asks QAnon followers to take a video of themselves taking the, the oath of the digital soldier, which was posted. And they all dutifully did as they were told. They all took the social media and took an oath. And that particular, you know, you sort of command is uh, fairly uh, non-threatening, but uh, it is, there is a danger. And it's like, well, what else would you ask this massive follow, uh, following base to do? And could it be more dangerous next time? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I certainly, I certainly hope it doesn't come to that, but that is definitely the worst case scenario. Well, Laura writes, a few days ago, my 30-year-old niece told me that a good friend from high school has fallen down the QAnon rabbit hole. My niece is wondering what she should do or say to try to get her friend out of it, to convince her friend that this is all nonsense. It seems to me that it's hard to use facts and logic with people. Do you have any guidance? So that that is an excellent question. I would def I would uh, uh, defer you to a uh, mental health professional whose name is uh, Stephen Hassan. That's that H A S S A N. He is someone who has helped a lot of people um, get get out of cults. He was originally a, uh, he was originally a Mooney. Um, and he's sort of uh, sort of identified sort of the the kind of mind control techniques that these sorts of cults uh, use. And he has a, a bunch of books 
uh, about uh, about how to ha- how to help a family member who has fallen into this. So uh, again, I, w- I would uh, I would defer to him. But this because this is really is um, I mean you're right. This hmm. you aren't going if someone is really deep down the rabbit hole in the QAnon, no amount of facts or evidence or anything like that is uh, going to convince them because they don't believe it for rational reasons. Well, we'll have more with Travis View, a conspiracy theory researcher and co-host of the podcast QAnon Anonymous. Stay with us after the break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about QAnon, a conspiracy theory that believes, among other things, that uh, Satan-worshipping pedophiles are taking over the nation and President Donald Trump will soon bring them down. It's attracted a lot of followers that Trump has retweeted and, and candidates openly sympathetic to QAnon are running for Congress. Travis View is with us. He is a conspiracy theory researcher and co-host of the podcast QAnon Anonymous. And you, our listeners with us, are with us. Travis View is also with us for the next 10 minutes or so. So if you have questions for him, the time to call or write in is now 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Reach us on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqbd.org. And let me go to Jake in Oakland. Hi, Jake. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I work in construction inspection in the Bay Area, so I'm on a lot of job sites talking to people who work in construction, and that tends to be a group that is a little more susceptible to these uh, types of conspiracy theories I've found. I'm a white male, and a lot of them seem to think that because of that, uh, I'm going to, by default, agree with them on these things. So they'll frequently ask me unprovoked about the Q conspiracy and whether or not I follow it, and I don't. Uh, I find it ridiculous, but they seem very serious about it, and I've heard them say things along the lines of, you know, oh, I'd like to take that person out, referencing, a, you know, a politician because they genuinely believe that these people are destroying America. So to me, it's, uh, they're effectively, uh, uh, your, your guest said it a minute ago, effectively a domestic terrorist organization that are radicalizing not just young men in, our, in in this country but but people of all ages i mean the people i'm discussing are you know foremen of construction companies in their 40s who make good money they've got lots of weapons as they like to talk about frequently and it really worries me that these people are getting radicalized to a point where they may believe that they're you know like the pizzagate gunmen uh, uh, saving our country by doing a domestic terrorist act. Jake, thanks for sharing that. Uh, and, you know, as we were touching on earlier, Travis View, as we've said, that there are QAnon supporters running for Congress in November. I mean, there is a, a congressional candidate in Colorado who, you know, beat a five-term Republican incumbent in a primary and uh, I'm hearing about Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia maybe having a good chance of actually winning a seat, Travis View? Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, in fact, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene is certainly the actually uh, the favored candidate to win in that particular uh, election. So we will almost certainly have at least one uh, QAnon promoting congression, uh, Congress member starting next year. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is absurd and concerning. And to, uh, uh, to speak to the concern about, um, you know, the uh, threat of like genuinely uh, you know, violent sort of domestic extremism, um, you know, 
I think that it's sort of interesting saving grace of QAnon is that they all they all believe in the plan. They all believe that no action is needed because there's some sort of plan behind the scenes to take care of everything for them. And I mean, I feel I feel like I think the real danger might come when they stop trusting the plan, when they stop believing that these revolutionary changes that uh, Trump uh, that that Q had promised them aren't actually coming. You know, that may eventually motivate them to take more real actions in the real mm. world. Well, I mean, how do Republicans try to deal with this? I've, I've heard many say that they do not agree with them. The New York Times, I think, referred to QAnon in the party as a headache, but that in some ways the Republicans also see them as potential voters. Yeah, you know, the, the response from Republican leadership has been very interesting. For example, um, uh, Republican leadership in the House, uh, you know, led by uh, Minority House Leader Kevin McCarthy, has denounced um, the QAnon candidate Marjorie Taylor Greene in favor of her runoff opponent uh, in the uh, election that's coming on August 11th. But in doing so, uh, Kevin McCarthy only denounced uh, previous bigoted statements that uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene had, had made that were sort of Islamophobic somewhat anti-Semitic, um, but, but he never referenced her QAnon belief. And this is something we see frequently in which, in which uh, Republican leadership is wholly unwilling to uh, sort of condemn QAnon in a very clear way. I suspect this is part of a strategy in order to sort of like uh, not encourage them, not endorse these uh, this uh, these obviously absurd views, but also uh, you know uh, sort of keep them in the fold so they're still supportive in voting of the Republican Party. Well, Kathleen asks: Is this mostly a phenomenon in the U.S. or is it also international? And is Trump the savior in other places, or do they look to other leaders elsewhere? Another listener, Michael writes: Is there a connection to Russian disinformation campaigns around this? I mean, what what is this reach globally? That's an, that's that. Uh, so that's an excellent question. No, there is a uh, quite significant um, uh, 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 international QAnon community. In fact, um, in fact, um, the uh, in fact it, it's growing increasingly international. There's a, there was a recent report from the think tank Strategic, uh, the Institute for Strategic Dialogue, and they found that uh, on average the U.S. accounted for 89.5 percent of all the mentions of uh, Q-related hashtags. Uh, however, in the last eight months, this has this has dropped to 87 percent. So increasing uh, suggests an increasing international presence. There's a big uh, QAnon community in Australia, and even outside of the Anglosphere, there's uh, some in South Korea. Uh, some in the, uh, uh, the Netherlands. So yeah, it's definitely an international movement. Well, let me go to Sean in Mill Valley next. Hi, Sean. For uh, taking my call. So my wife and her sister have fallen into this QAnon rabbit hole um, after being lifelong liberals. And so this is a topic that's highly personal to me. Um, oh. I've got two questions for you. Um, how do I help them get out of this and kind of see the reality? And then also, just like to hear your comments on what the likelihood is that this is actually a coordinated disinformation campaign by the far right or by the Trump administration, or do you think it's really more organic? Thanks, Sean. 
Sure. Um, you know, that, that first question of how do you get them to uh, see the reality? Uh, like I said, I would, this is, this is really a mental health question. Um, and I'm not, simply not a mental health professional. I would, I would defer to the expertise of uh, Stephen Hassan, who's dealt with these issues much more uh, in depth than I ever could. Um, and I, I will say that, you know, is, is this is not something that you can sort of uh, talk someone out of through logic. It's, it's, it is an emotional problem, and so you need to address emotional needs if you want them to bring them back to reality. And also probably get them away from the computer. Spend more time outdoors. That might help. Um, but uh, as far as the, uh, uh, the second question of wh whether it was part of a deliberate campaign by the far, far right, I mean, I don't know. I, I suspect it's something that was uh, you know, maybe started as sort of organically because uh, uh, this is kind of like part of a sort of a genre of posts on 4chan it's called Insider Anons. This happens to be the first one that kind of just bust out of uh, the chance and into wider social networks. Um, I would I'd love to love to know more information one day about the true identity of Q to see who was really behind pushing these bizarre conspiracy theories. Well, let me go to Susie in San Francisco. Hi, Susie. Hi. Listen, I have a quick question. I'm hearing so much more about the deep state conspiracies. How does QAnon tie into that? Mm. Susie, thanks. So yeah, so so in the um, yeah, in the sort of QAnon worldview, the deep state is really part of the cabal. It's, it's this this idea that there's a sort of a hidden power structure that uh, is sort of uninfluenced by normal democratic means. So they think that uh, you know the deep state is uh, is uh, doing battle with with Trump because they are uh, the puppets of the cabal or they're the thrall of 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 this worldwide cabal. So it is uh, definitely an essential component of the whole QAnon worldview. Travis View, I, I have to ask you before you need to leave us, I mean, have you felt uh, targeted by QAnon followers? Um, no, you know, not really. You know, sometimes they write, uh, they, they, they uh, send me tweets that taunt me. And sometimes they, um, they, they uh, you know, write long blog posts about why they think I suck. But, um, but in truth, uh, who they really hate is people who are sort of connected to big power structures like Hillary Clinton or something, or the mainstream media, or someone with a significant degree of influence. Uh, they, they don't see me as, as someone who is, who is naive. Uh, they often, I often, some, sometimes they even tell me they, uh, they want me to be a sort of a, a, a sort of a, a St. Paul sort of figure who sort of uh, eventually stops uh, talking down on them and then sees light and then joins their movement. So um, sometimes I get harassing uh, uh, messages, but not not that often, honestly. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to educate us today. Uh, Travis View, he is co-host of the podcast QAnon Anonymous and a conspiracy theory researcher who also writes for The Washington Post. Travis View, thanks for coming on Forum. Thank you for inviting me. And thanks to our listeners for their questions and comments. Stay tuned. We'll be talking about a, a special moment from last week on Forum. So stay with us for that. I'm Mina Kim.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.